Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Little John and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Oh, all right, gang. It is that time again. Welcome to the best Tuesday you've had all week. It is the True Wealth Radio Show. I am your host, David Little John. Joining me in studio as often is Katie Shuck. Right, gotta love that. And uh, today we have got another highly scripted episode of True Wealth. I love which- the sarcasm in your tone. That's sarcasm, by the way, because you know what? Life is not scripted. Like, do you remember when you were twenty-ish, right? And you thought this is what my life is going to look like. And I don't know about you, David, but. No, he's shaking shaking his head. No, I don't recall my life looking scripted ever. So I remember being in my early 20s and thinking like, oh, I'm going to, you know, be married and have kids by 25 and I'll have my career set by 30. And like, I just had all these dates or timelines in my head of how life was going to be. And then I felt like God said, hold my beer. (laughs) Because it's, you know, my, my plans are not always God's plans. And my plans, I feel like, get interrupted frequently. But I've had... um probably a lot more fun, maybe a few more tears than I had scripted in my brain. But I, my life looks a lot different than it I thought it would in my early 20s. So here's what's funny to me by comparison, right? And this is just, we talk about how, you know, you and I, we problem solve different. We right? do. And I think that's, this is really valuable. By that's the way, okay, right? though. It's, like, it's okay that And it's you approach... not a male-female thing either. It's yeah, just no, a No, it's a Dave thing. and Katie thing, right? Like, we just <laughs> see things different sometimes. <laughs> we do. And... You, so I've not been one that had a scripted life per se, where it's like, these are the things I'm looking to accomplish. I have had goals all the time. And so I've, I've had sort of a vision and motivation. And I had these sort of, I think of it more like, it's almost like a video game that is my life, right? Like when you unlock an achievement and you level up and then you get to do something else. So that's a great way to look at it. I mean, not, you know, that. Yeah, like a video game. Like you said, level up, right? Like yes. there's 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 lots of ways that society is that, right? Income levels or different things you do, you level up, right? It's each level comes becomes harder and harder and there's more complexity to it. Yeah. And so I think that's a great analogy. Growth, that's so that's that's awesome. That I never thought of it that way, but that is mm-hmm. such a good way to think about it. Because and by the way, I love games. Like I truly love um not like all of the modern, I guess, modern games, but I like level oriented games. Like that's sure. just who I am. But I know what you mean. Like the harder, you know, the further you get down the path, the harder the levels get to achieve. Right. Um, it, it appeals and it's true with life. D- different personalities, right? For, so for me, I am pretty competitive, but a lot of my competition no. is self-driven, right? Okay. I, I There was a season in life when it was really about competing with other people, right? I wanted to beat my opponent, now it's really about beating me, right? And but it's so, about like beating your best, right? Like so, it's like it's, yes, it's it's and so, uh, and then I I would like to believe as I mature and gain perspective, and I have gleaned wisdom from others, you start to refine what that looks like, and this is one of the things that I want to talk about today, and it's in the context of investing. Okay, right? We're going to use. A term that gets used a lot, we use it on this show, but I also want to give our listeners a chance to sort of think about how this works, because there's a couple things that are relevant to this, okay? 
I know it's a long setup, but the, <laughs> the, the first thing, I, I had some interesting conversations with folks that they're not wired the way I am. No. They, and so the discussion was about how do you change habits and how do you get things done? Okay. And for me, changing habits is about finding a way to compete with myself and to win against the habit to replace it with something else new. And sometimes it's, I, I you know the example I'm going to use, don't you? No, but I'm waiting to hear it. Well, I was thinking of something else, though, but go ahead. So we'll get there. We'll get there. I'll finish this because we're still going there. Okay. You'll see. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm committed. But, <laughs> but the thing is, when you, for me, the self-psychology element, so one of the things was floss. Okay. Now, yes, you've told I, the story. Uh huh. I feel like I could write a book on dental floss. The, Th the reason funny. it's funny is because to this day, I don't particularly like flossing. But I think it's been more than 10 years since I've missed a day of flossing. That's impressive. Like 10 consecutive years of flossing. And the joke now is I am the Cal Ripken of dental floss. <laughs> Yeah, you hold the record, right? So you're like, I don't want to break my record. I have this then I unbroken start over. streak. I can't quit. Oh my so gosh, that's so funny. It started as just, I need to do this. And I mean, it's a funny story about having gingivitis, right? And what's the thing? At some point I said, for heaven's sake, you're a grown man. If you can't floss every day, you can't do anything. And it was like challenge accepted, right? And so... The, after like three days and failing at it, then I looked at myself really hard and decided you're either going to do this or you're not. And so get to a week. And then I got to the week and it said 21 days to make a habit. Right. So get to 21 so days. So I got to 21 days and I still hated flossing. And so I'm like, what 30. is this? And then it was like, well, let's try to 30. And I got to 30. And then it was like on the 31st day, it was like, it didn't work. I still hate flossing. But then I said, but, but you I've do done have it a 30, 30 day days. streak, yeah. right? And then it was like, well, what's one more day? And then it became just one more so time. It's funny you talk about that because that is the psychology that Snapchat figured out, right? Because what keeps Snapchat so valuable in a certain generation is the fact that they have streaks, right? I've snapped you for so many days. And so people will log into the app even when they don't want to to keep up their streaks. Did you know that? No. So there's actually- I, I'm, I've never used it. So I'm, I well, am- and being remember, around I'm teenagers. I'm culturally irrelevant, just so we're clear. <laughs> I am culturally irrelevant, but I do know a thing or two about investing. But, but streaks, right? So they have figured out the psychology of streaks, just exactly what you're talking about with flossing. And Snapchat does exactly that. You have streaks of communications with people and people are like, oh, I don't want to lose my streak. We've done it for 180 days or whatever. So they keep communicating every day and they keep logging into this- app so that they don't lose their streaks right so there is a huge psychology so there's a psychology there and then there's a different so if you aren't one of those people that cares about that you have a different challenge right because you have high levels of apathy okay okay so the trick is find the thing that will make you do something right if it's a thing that you want that you will chase for so that's when people put goals out and they reward themselves for things right hey if you will respond to the goal then do that. If you will respond to the prize, what if you? What if it's a fear? What if it's a paranoia? You know, like there's all different. Yeah. Ways, but it's essentially an association game of if you want to change a habit, you have to make it important enough to do it. Right. Okay. Now I'm not a psychologist or anything like that. I'm not even qualified to tell you how to make the habit. But what I can tell you is why the habit matters and where the rest of this show is going to matter. And it starts with a little bit of framing. Okay. All right. Not about the habits, but I had a mentor for years, several years 
that taught me a great deal about the process of money management. This is not terribly typical for the average financial advisor or financial planner. No. Right? So because habit of money management. Just it's well habits and money management are part of this that 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 go together. We're still going there. You'll see. I'm bringing it oh, home. I'm waiting. I'm bringing I'm it home. Sitting patiently, which is not one of my virtues. So the idea though is most of the folks in the financial consulting arena are trained around planning okay. or around a little bit of tax management and sales. A lot of yeah. sales training. Okay, Like when I first started in the industry, it wasn't great sales training because I was in an independent environment. But if I had gone to a more established place that, that hires people to train them, they teach you sales. And then the folks that are serious about their craft tend to learn more about how it works to become a more comprehensive, valuable asset to their customer base, right? Because right. just selling somebody a mutual fund is transaction-oriented. But solution-oriented requires some knowledge. So they tend to, you know, if you go find yourself a certified financial planner, most of that curriculum is about taxes and estate planning and how all the things fit together. There's investment analysis in there too, but it's not used very much. Usually third parties do the investment management. And usually you're talking about not a CFP and not which is certified financial planner and not a CPA which is a certified public accountant, but a CFA which would be a chartered financial analyst. Those are the types that do oh, the number it's one. It's still alphabet soup. There's so yeah. many different letters you can add at the back of your name. Why well, had a mentor that taught me a fair <laughs> amount about money management, right? The buying and selling of investments. And we talked a lot about the trade. No, oh, interesting. Okay? And I thought the as the mentorship I was receiving was about how to trade in the stock market. But in retrospect, after he spent plenty of time with me, it became a lot more than just that. It became what it means to make trades in most of the aspects of our life. And I want to talk about that today. Ooh, I like it. What we're going to talk about is like, what are the trades that you're making? The trade-offs. You give one thing to get another and vice versa. So today, for the rest of the show, we're talking about what are the trades you make for opportunities gained and opportunities lost, lost and actual mm -hmm. gains and losses. Oh, right? well, so there we're going go. to look at all those too. But we do need to take an obscene profit break first. So let's do that. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. We're officially back. Welcome back to the best Tuesday all week, the True Wealth Radio Show. Right. I think my my giggles are out of uh, anxious terror. Yeah, it's like instead of like screams of terror, it's just, I just start giggling because it's. I just realize I I think God reminds me constantly. I just have no control over my life. You know, it's control had, is a I, myth. Control is a myth. You know, you, we we try to corral things. We do the best we can, but uh, there is some some actual truth to 
I, I've had this conversation with a lot of really high net worth folks, and they've come to me and said, I just want security. And I tell them, we can do a lot of things, but we you cannot make guarantees in life, right? There just True. aren't. Uh, there are liabilities out there, and there are other unforeseen and uncontrollable circumstances that can simply you can destroy anybody, right? right? So this is not that show, by the way. Not today. No, we're not no, gonna, no, no. We're not going to dwell just... there because I think that plans typically are rewarded, right? Right. I mean, uh, for the most part, and we've... <laughs> Well, I will okay. tell you. So we talk about goal setting. We talk about it at the beginning of mm-hmm. every year. We've done that now for, what, six, seven years? How long have we been on the radio? It's been a while. A five, while. five, six years. And we talk about setting goals, and it's not just goals, right? It's not like, oh, I'm going to lose five pounds. It's like, no, have a plan. Figure out how you're going to do it. How are your goals measurable? You know, we talk about posting them where you can see them. So all those things, right? So planning is important. And I will tell you, personally, anytime I've said, I want to do this thing, and I don't have a plan attached to it, it always fails. Yeah. Well, like, that, the, yeah, that's, the, you know, as they say, goals are just dreams with deadlines, right? Well, <laughs> so you, I, know. I love that you, phrase. You put uh, uh, intention into it and it changes things. I'm just telling you that security is a myth, but not planning is a surety that something's not going to happen. Right. Right. I mean, it's if, if you're relying on luck, fate and chance, then I would suggest that your probability will plummet. OK, True. if you are relying on plans and strategy and execution, then I think your probability goes up significantly. Right. And uh, by the way, plans are pliable a little bit. Like, oh, you, yeah. you know, plans, you have to understand, like you may set off down a certain path and there may be, you know, a right turn or something that you need to take. Like just because you planned it out doesn't mean it's going to act always accordingly. You keep in mind that that's part of what we're going to be talking about here is there are trade-offs, and sometimes your priorities in life will change. Right. Uh, I can tell you that 18-year-old David probably votes different than current age David. Okay. I don't know that I vote that differently. Well, I can tell you that I do a lot more homework now than I used to. Right? Being a and, more informed person? Yes. Yeah, and at a local level, I, I'm more concerned. I could tell you that... I didn't particularly care who, you know, the school board, who cares when uh, you're, you know, 18 years old. Or, True. Uh, when you're, again, in your 40s, you care. Well, I'd right? say when you What's... have school-aged children, or, or when, you, when you're in a position where it affects you personally. It's beyond that now. I recognize that if you want to make an impact on the system, it starts where the rubber meets the road, right? Everybody sits here and thinks we need to somehow change our federal system and yet we have these incumbent politicians that have been elected again and again and again and again to dc right and then we don't look at who we put into county commissioner positions or school boards or a lot of the decision making bodies for what happens now i like a lot of the people that we have as our elected officials where we're at we're in a smaller environment where you you know i I have I think I've met every single county commissioner we have, right? I've had individual Probably, conversations, yeah. and I I think every single one of them can can pick me out of a crowd. They know my name, and they know a little bit about me, right? True. That is not because I'm super active in the community. Some of it's the size, and it's because it's a reflection of how engaged they are in the community. I think that's cool, right? I'm not that well-versed in everybody on the school board, but 
I am learning about that because, you know, the school board's responsible for the superintendent. Yeah. Right. And they're responsible for uh, a lot of the policy that, that ends up being made and how that gets executed. So it matters. Okay? Right. And so the the larger point, though, is, you know, we talk it, about trade offs. So how yeah, does that tra- play into trade offs? Well, I don't know that it necessarily plays into the trade offs directly. It plays in the fact that your opinions can change with time as you learn more. Your plans can be pliable. Right. Okay. And should be. Right. What was important? What's important to me today isn't the same thing that was important to me ten years ago. Agreed. And so things evolve as your knowledge and understanding and priorities evolve too. Right. You know, I got kids at home right now, and I have been counseled. I don't know how many times to say, "Don't miss the opportunities you have right now." Right. There will always be work. It's a little bit of like a carpe diem, seize the day, like spend there, the time now. There is now. some of that. And so this is the, the, the question I have for everybody. It's what is the trade that you're going to make? Okay. And there's a there's a trade off between instant gratification and deferred gratification. But sometimes it can be deferred so long you never reach the gratification. Well, and this is the challenge that personalities really matter. I think people need to spend a little time getting to know themselves. True. Okay. So, Katie, Uh-oh. are you a natural saver? No, I am not, by the way. And this is like, that sounds really funny. You're like, but she works for a financial firm. I'm not a natural saver. It's this is where planning is important to me, right? Like, I get paid, I auto draft it into my savings account because I need those kind of systems in place right? In order for me to become a saver. Now, does that mean I can't save? No, I can be a saver. But there are people that naturally want to save everything. I'm a giver, though. I want to buy stuff for everybody. Like, mm-hmm. I want everybody to be happy, and I want them to be loved that day. So I'm a I'm a giver in that respect. Yes, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Like, I will feed you a lot. <laughs> I feed a lot of people. Yep. And giver of time, of resources. You are... Uh, you're highly engaged in the community, your, your kid's school, your church. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that you are a giver. But not naturally a saver. Now, I'm lucky because I'm married to a guy who is a saver, so it makes it a little easier. Yep. But not naturally a saver. And this, by the way, to not be a saver is the most foreign concept to me. I know. Because I am a natural saver. In I fact, know. it is harder. It's It's quite hard to convince me to spend anything. True. You know, I'm really odd when it's like you can afford to do the thing and you want to do the thing. And then I go, yeah, but I don't deserve it. And then it's like, that's not true. And it's like, well, it's true to me. You you definitely have said, I don't like that. I deserve it. Like you have stood very firm on that ground. Right. There's a lot of mm-hmm. people who are like, I work hard. I deserve it. And you're like, nope. Like you hate that concept. Like I you do. just do. And we used to argue about it a little bit, too, in the beginning. Right. Because I was like, oh, I went for a pedicure because I deserve it and I work hard. And those, that's my internal language. But that's not your internal. language. It is not. And so, right. again, we don't always see eye to eye on stuff. It doesn't mean that we fight or argue about it, but like we no. have a difference of opinion. No, it's not an arguable offense kind of deal. But the what happens, though, is if you think about the financial decisions you make, a lot of it, I think, comes down to time horizon. Right. And I tend to be a natural saver because I tend to be looking toward the future often. Well, far in the future. 
Like, yeah, because we can talk about time horizon too. Some people look at like this day or this week or this month or even this year. And I feel like when you're forward looking, you're like, what does it look like 10 years from now? What yes. does it, I mean, you're looking at decades, not days. It's true. It's right. True. And I mean, I'm, I'm probably a little bit more granular. Like I'm probably looking at days and weeks and months. And I mean, I'm thinking more within the year, not that I don't have, you know, the five-year plan or whatever, because I do. But um, but I think you think more like really far off over there, and I'm kind of looking at the logistics more close up. Yeah, I have one, three, five, and ten year plans right now. Right, and that's when when we talked earlier in the show about how I tend to, um, I, I guess, don't measure based on an expectation of an age, but rather this set of goals that I expect to achieve. That's how they get laid out, ah, right? So it's just a different way to play the game. So what right? happens when you achieve your five-year goal in two? You make new goals. <laughs> you level up. Yes. Yeah. And you, that's kind of, that's been happening more and more. So it's like the 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 goals get more ambitious. But I do also challenge people that there is a game that you cannot win. The game of more. The game of more. I want to change it to a different subject really quick. When you first started in financial services, did you have a number in mind? Was there a like, I'll know I've made it when I've reached blank assets under management, or I know that I've hit like success or however, I yeah, mean. Th- I mean, there was. Okay. Yeah. You so, know, you're not going to share it. No, I can't. <laughs> uh, when I first started, I remember because I was in a coaching environment and I can remember thinking that uh, if I had a personal, like the clients that I represented, if their aggregate investments with me was at $30 million, that that would have been. Uh, that was there, what there, you considered successful. There was a season when that was just an unfathomable number. Well, and the reason I'm asking that is because I remember doing that in my previous business as well. It's right. It's, you know, and, and for most entrepreneurs, there's a number, right? Whether it's an, an amount of clients and AUM, whatever it is, there's yeah, a which, number. Which in investment land stands for assets under, under management. management. Right. <laughs> when, when you go to Vanguard or something and say, there, we got, you know, 1.7 trillion or well, yeah, I don't know what their number is. Right. But when they, they got a whole bunch of money that they manage for investors, that's sort of like a feather in their cap saying, like, see how important we are. Look at all the people that we're serving. Right. And. Uh, I don't know that I still like to look at our clients at as the people. people. The numbers not are number. metrics that we know because numbers, right? But the people are what make me tick. Right. But it's just I was just curious if you had like a number that you were like, oh, this is my benchmark. You know, this is how I'm going to measure myself. Yeah, that was part of it right there was a I mean, I think it was 30. And uh, at first I remember just wanting to get to 10. Eleven. Right? That was By the way, it was eleven. Well, that was for you. <laughs> that was very numbers driven. There's, this is a funny story. Um, I will let you share the story. It's because it's kind of cute, right? Um, you've been well. We'll with go back and forth. Seven years. Yeah, I started in 2014. Right. And here's the fun thing: when when Katie first joined, I think I I had started over. Right. My career spans. I'm in my 21st year. The first 10 years were working for other people, essentially. Right. I right. was. Uh, a program manager for a bank. Uh, before that, I worked for a brokerage. I worked a couple years on my own, but I, I had no training and I was so green it was almost useless, right? But I'd done all this work for others before ultimately spinning off to start our own firm. 
and I reset at, at effectively almost zero assets, like zero customers. A, a few people followed me along because they just were willing to believe in me, which in hindsight, you know, they're like some very special favoritist clients of all time for me, right? Yeah. But then it started over from there. So it took me four years working by myself, two years out of a closet, basically, and then two years <laughs> in an at, office, in an office by himself, by myself. <laughs> and off, the office we're still into this day, which is hilarious because it's like one day there'll be a team here. You know, I'm looking at my goals, and and it was just me, the royal we, and I had seven million worth of client assets, and I remember meeting you katie because i was like i don't know how i'm gonna do this anymore i'm trying to spin all the plates and i can't meet with the clients and do the stuff right and i could never take a vacation ever right so you enter the picture and it was like i can't even afford to hire you full time right yeah no i started at 30 hours a week because that was what that was what you could do and that was and i was okay with it too i was coming out of something where i was working like 80 hours a week so 30 was like a vacation. I was super happy to work 30. And right. and trade-offs. I got more time with my two-year-old at that point, yep. right? Like I had a toddler. I wanted more baby time. Yep. So that was the trade. But we also put a goal out there <laughs> that said, yes. David said if, if, if we can get to 11 million under, in, management. under management, then there will be enough revenue to let you be full-time at that point. Right. And that was I think the carrot. It took six months. It did, and I said, "So how do we do this?" Right. And he looked at me and just kind of shook his head. <laughs> and so, you know, it took four years to get to seven million, and then four million more in the next six months. And it was like, "Wait, what just happened?" Right. Right. And I remember being very excited about it. I was talking to my wife about it, saying, "Hey, you know, how's this?" Uh, and and you know, she's just like, "Hey, slow your roll." All right. It was a good six months, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. And I love it because she's. She she wasn't stomping my guts out and killing a dream. She was just keeping me grounded. If you're a kite, sometimes you need an anchor. Yeah. So, <laughs> and and it was exciting, right? It was really cool. Right. But the story. I mean, really, the story has been it's just kept going. And at this point, we talked about on the program, right? The 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 cool part was when we uh, we crossed a hundred million in client assets and we transitioned from being regulated directly by the state of Oregon and the Securities Department for Oregon to the federal level in the Securities Exchange Commission. That was pretty cool. Right. But, so you know, so to recap a little bit, seven years, right? Mm -hmm. So I've been with you for seven years. Yep. And this January we went from seven million when I joined the team to hundred and seven million. So we we grew in seven years by a hundred million, million. Like which is a crazy obscene number of assets like that's well, a ridiculous amount of money there are plenty of places that grow way faster than that but i think to do it pretty organically and to do it serving what what is called the retail customer like you're if you're listening right now it's you right, right. so we have we're not dealing with mega institutions i mean we, we kind of can now i mean we have we now have the scale and we've built a team out and we have the resources to handle more so as we've grown, we've been able to grow the team and the resources and the capacity. So we talk about bandwidth. Right. That's really cool. But um, the we mostly just work with, like, I will say it's regular f folks, right, that everybody's got this dream of retirement one day. And, and I have a really, it's a lot of people look at me like I have two heads, but I think everybody needs to think seriously about 
their nest egg. Right. And and then it should be a higher number than people think. Right. No, that much is true. I originally thought, oh, if I could have a million dollars, that would be enough. And now I'm like, mm, maybe it's two to three or yeah. more. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it takes... That number is moving a little bit. Well, because look at inflation and everything else that's right. going on. Right. Everything's so look, more expensive. So we're, we're running long on this segment. Let's do this. Let's grab a break. And then when we come back on the flip side of it, I want to explore the, the trade console up a little bit more, like the trade-offs. Like, what should you be trading off or maybe not trading off? Because, again, if you need a bigger nest egg, then well, I think you need a bigger nest egg than you do, maybe. Maybe. Well, anyway, well, let's unpack that, but we got to take a break. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Thanks for joining us. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. On the greatest Tuesday you've had all week. Uh, if you are just joining us today, we're talking about the trade, right? And a lot of other stuff, frankly, if you need to get caught up, grab the podcast. It'll be available tomorrow at littlejohnfs.com under the Educate tab, where you can find more podcasts than you're going to want to listen to. <laughs> Right. You know what? Everybody needs a new series to binge on. Just go binge on the podcast. You'll be fine. You could binge on the podcast, and I'll bet you that you could binge for the next nine weeks without stopping. Oh, yeah. No, there's a lot. I mean, what did we just say? Like six, seven years? There's a lot yeah, of podcasts. It is. So, you know, there you go. And, and we're here every week, regardless of holiday. It's true. We just keep going. Well, I think every day. Like, we had Christmas on a Tuesday once or something. Yeah, but it would have to be that. I mean, because there's not a lot of holidays that fall on a Tuesday. It's true. So very rarely do we ever miss the show. Tundays. So that's, no, that's not a, a Monday. Holiday. That's not a holiday. But at that's all. still a Monday, not a Tuesday, and we don't miss the show. Tundays. Yeah. Are, are Monday. You are confusing me now. You said Tundays, and Tundays. Tundays are on Tuesdays. Yeah, and so we don't miss the show. That's true. Yeah, Tundays not a missable event. <laughs> It's a sucky one, but not a missable yes, it one. Is. Okay, so, <laughs> so the trades for your time. We were talking trade. about well, true wealth, right? Is the go ahead. Uh, no, no, uh, memories uh, and relationships. Yeah, it's right? the memories and relationships that you create, and and some of it's how you trade your time. And I find myself now talking to people about trade offs, like what exactly? What are? The, oh no, I'm scared. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, the radio show is a very live show with yeah, lots of personality. <laughs> so, but it's how you trade your time, right? And so mm -hmm. I find myself talking to my friends going, you know, what is your time worth? And how do you quantify that? Like we were talking about when you get home from work, like having to do the dishes or fold that load of laundry and how do you deal with the kids? And, you know, is, is there, if you have it in your budget, is there someone that you could pay to do the laundry or do the kids, not the kids, sorry to handle the laundry and the dishes that you spend more time with your kids and have I don't even know what to do for you right now. I don't. It's just yeah, we're going to close the blinds. <laughs> That's what happens. There's a window in studio and they are taunting us mercilessly right now. So. It's it's a live show. That's all I got to say. We we jack and jive with the best of them and uh oh my I had gosh. It, I had it covered and then it was my cuz I literally had just like Blocked it out. And Katie's like, I can't watch this. So. <laughs> just... <laughs> See, there was a train of thought totally derailed. Totally. Yeah. Squirrel and shiny object. Okay. So, so bottom line is in, in the trade, the concept of the trade is simply, what are you going to give up for what are you going to get? Okay. Right. It works in the investment world too, right? When, when you decide to buy one thing or another, that all is part of making trading decisions. Okay. Right. But in, in life, 
So the example would be, you know, do you trade more time at the office, which is, or more time at work, right? So you're going to trade more money or time, right? Well, how are you prioritizing? Okay. And the, the toughie is that sometimes things are essentially necessitated, right? Like you need enough money to live, which puts, and, and there's an old expression, right? And I don't mean for this to be a gender slap in the face or anybody like that, but it says, if you want to demoralize a man, but you can say, if you want to demoralize a person, right? Pay them just enough to survive. Oh, yeah, I don't like that. It's tough because that's the treadmill, right? right. And if you're in the, the spot where you go paycheck to paycheck and your money is just enough to get you to the next paycheck, you're in a real problem spot here. And this is why we talk about budgeting and so forth, because the trade-off is you have to work every time, right? right. Like you can't afford to miss yeah. work. And so if and if if there's any discretion at all in your budget and you're spending the discretion instead of using it to break out of that cycle, then you've sort of traded your future. Well, and that's a, that's a real tough spot if you think about it, right? I mean, young folks will often see that they don't see that. The decision to buy the superfluous thing, like to go out and have drinks with your friends, but it's expensive to do, right? And then you blow through the money and it's not there and there is no savings now. Well, to pay and you're back on the treadmill. Half of your paycheck on a car every month, right? Oh, like, yeah. I mean, it's, I would say it's, it's uh, fr frivolous spending and then, um, which I guess summarizes the car too, but. Um, a lot of times it's the things that you think you need, right? You may need a car to get to work. It doesn't mean you need a brand new one. Right. It's the things. Here's the, the thing. It, don't rationalize things that you don't need as things you need. I think that that's, that is one of the number one steps of you know making good trades is acknowledge the facts. Right. Right. And, and it's tough when you are emotional in that process. Okay. You get emotional, you start to want something, you start to talk yourself into it, you make the excuse. And this is where that language earlier, the I deserve it language or the, you know, I've, you know, I work hard and I can afford it and this setting it. Well, are you prioritizing this over something else that's more important but less shiny? Right. So like saying I deserve a vacation when you can't pay your credit card bill, wrong language. Yeah. It's really not because whether or not you deserve it's not relevant whether or not you can afford it is right okay and so we talk about this a lot the trade-off between the value of what you do in time okay it's it's a huge confusion point culturally for us because there are people that don't understand that the value of a person and the value of their time are not directly linked true right when you go and do a job and it takes you an hour and you say, well, I'm worth $100 an hour, but the job can be done by anybody for $10 an hour. The job isn't $100 an hour because that's what you're worth. The jobs were $10 an hour and you're willing to do it for that. Because that's what the market will pay. Because because that's what the job is worth, right? It's And so people will say, well, people need a living wage. I said, what people need is jobs that pay living wages and they need the skills to do those jobs. Right. We can't expect the every job, job every to job. be worth more just because we value people, right? Sure. That is a tremendous disconnect culturally for us. I would I would go so far as to say it's a dangerous and manipulative point because, again, folks will try to say, you know, if you go, if you're willing to go to work, it should be a living wage. And I go, 
that's not how economics works. Well, and it's there's different things that come out of that too, right? Like, I mean, when they said, "Well, you have to you have to provide health care for every full time employee," so what happened? Then everybody became a part time employee, and everybody had to have two jobs to make it instead of one, because of something they thought would benefit the employer. Yeah, or the employees. And, and we're and I recognize we're we're getting into some of the mechanics of how this goes down, right? right. And why it creates these problems, but. The, the bottom line is simply that your time and what you trade is it's your time doesn't dictate the value of what you're doing. The value of what you're doing is what it is, and then you choose to apply your time to it. This is really significant when you determine whether or not to do something yourself or not. Okay, Real life example for me. Like, I'm going to use me as an example. What? Last weekend, I painted a property Okay, that is a rental property and... We got bids from contractors, and because everybody's super, super busy, the bids were super, super high. And I calculated the value of my time versus what I would have to pay somebody else. And you know what? It was cheaper for me to do it. And so you're like, really? The radio investment guy painted his own plate? It's like, yeah, I did. By the way, first of all, I want to back that story up, just back that train up, you know, a couple cars. A- I want to give a shout out to Scott, his brother, who helped him. Yes, my bro, I owe him. B, Scott has also painted professionally in his career. No, right. he worked in a paint environment, though. He knows about paint. He knows, and we he painted kn- together. My parents had rentals growing up, and we used to do this. Okay, but it's also, it's not only trading your time, but also having the skill set to do so. So yep. you and Scott had the skill set to do what you were doing. In fact, it was very impressive because David actually sat down with an Excel spreadsheet and calculated how much paint he would need based on the amount of square footage of the house, which that spreadsheet alone, I was like, wow, okay, dude, let's handle it. Like, so got to love the numbers guy with the Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, you got to know paint. how much paint you got to buy. I know, but it was, but not many people do that, David. Again, everybody does that. No, they totally don't. Normal. Totally normal. <laughs> no, they don't. They go pick up a few gallons and they wing it and they go, oops, I didn't get enough or oh, I way overbought. <laughs> no, we, uh, you know, that's not how you do it when you're when you're an investment guy. You got to know what the trade is, right? And the extra paint is not worth spending if you don't have to. But nevertheless, the illustration stands that there was a trade-off decision, right? right? So I gave up a weekend and things I could be doing besides that because it was worth it to me. Like the the financial difference was such that it's like, you know what? I should do this. Right. And so that was a trade that I made where I gave up discretionary time on the weekend to not be doing my primary job. I was, you know, I was being a painter. And I don't I'm not begrudging that decision by the way. I'm just telling you, we make those decisions all the time. And in that case, I had to look at the job I looked at the value of my time, and what somebody else was willing to charge for it was higher than the value of my time, which means my time was better spent doing that instead of paying them. And that's what happened. There you go. So, look, we got to take our last, last break. obscene profit break. So stick around. We're going to do that. Uh, we'll be right back after these, uh, I assume, super important messages where <laughs> we'll pitch other stuff. We'll be right back. Anyway, this is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shaw. We got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right, gang, we be back. Welcome back to the True Wealth Show. This is your host, Dave Littlejohn, with me. This is Katie Shuck. 
And remember, podcast. But we're not going to beat that one too long because we got a show to finish up here. And this is the home stretch. Today's the trade-offs show, right? Right. Katie, what are some trade-offs that you personally think you that, that you make? So I have this weird guilt complex about being a working mom. And I don't have any reason that I put it on myself, but I do. So I try to be overly involved in my children's school so that they feel like their mom loves them even though they're at work. So I'm a homeroom parent. I've like organized field trips. I organize fun days and I try to participate as much as I can. But that's a trade-off. I don't get to do the fun stuff like the field trips my husband does because I'm at work, which I love my job. So it doesn't feel like a punishment that I'm not there. But it's a trade-off, right? I don't get to do the field trips because I'm a working mom. Yeah, it is so, true. But yeah, my, my weird guilt complex. Nobody gives me the guilt complex except for me. I give it to myself. And I think <laughs> we all have those weird things that we do. Yep. So, But I would say time with my family for money is definitely something that I trade. Yeah, I, you know, I think we all do that to a certain extent. Uh, there's, there's always that. There is a balance because it costs money to live. Well, and I will say that that's why I try to do vacations and things where I create memories. Um, I've read that statistically traveling creates bigger, like long-term memories with your children because they'll be like, remember that time when we visited that place? Mm -hmm. Then just hanging out with them at home. So even though the frequency of time together is maybe not as much as some other children, maybe the memories are greater because I gave them better experiences. And money helps me afford better experiences. True. So there is another trade. I love you snuck something in there uh -oh. that is really important about the trade. Right? Which is? The quality matters. Right. Right? That quality versus quantity there are times when quantity is the right thing to do, but the quality matters. I, I don't want people to get the impression that I am somehow down on the idea that you should work. No, not no, at all. You should. Work's a really good trade. But, you know, it's about putting your effort in the right places and not missing the right the opportunities. And the example about family is, and you know, maybe you don't have kids right and so this isn't so relevant but there are things that i would say are relevant to windows in your life maybe you want to climb mount everest right it's going to be easier in your 30s than in your 70s right so you <laughs> kind of have to know where your power window is for different activities right. right i behave different as i age like i used to really love wakeboarding right and it's hard to get out there and find people to wakeboard with there's not even that many lakes around where we live but I really enjoyed that. But as I have aged, it's a good way to beat the bejesus out of myself. So have now. you gone from, I'm on the board to, let me drive the boat. I'll just be the guy with the boat and you can wakeboard. <laughs> so uh, this will be a funny statement, but uh, I haven't wakeboarded in a few years, right? I would still totally get behind the boat. And because I don't wakeboard very often, I'd probably go hurt myself because... I still want to get behind the boat. So David laughs at me because every time he goes somewhere, I'm like, please come back in one piece. Like, please don't hurt yourself. Come back in one piece. <laughs> and I do every single time he leaves. Just don't hurt yourself. Come back in one piece. And I usually do. <laughs> but, but You're pretty good about it. You know, the, the trade-off to me, though, is if I'm only going to wakeboard once uh, every other year. You better make it count. Then I kind of make it count. And, and I will maybe do things that are slightly higher risk, but not as much as I used to because... It takes a long time to heal, if you heal at all. Right. And that's a trade that I also consider is, what's the impact that this has on my quality of life? Right. And as much as I may love trying to do flips on a wakeboard, I love walking. <laughs> <laughs> so 
much care. more than the flip I just did in yeah. the water. Well, and I will tell you, and too. And nobody cares anymore. I mean, like, right? if, I, if I do a flip, people would be like, wow, I can't believe you did that. No, Next. some people are like. He's an idiot. He's gonna hurt himself. Like there's, well, there's some, you know, there's truth. A certain, hashtag, there's a certain, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, my hashtag truth. We could put that on uh, whatever the Snapchat. That's the one. Oh, I don't use. Oh, there we go. I, just, right? I, I know. So, so last year. No, uh, there's, but even family time, right? There's times when I've talked about on the air that I've traded family time for friend time. Like I do girls trips. Yep. So there is, there's always a trade off somewhere. I'm there, always yeah. trading something. Which is why I, I will again go back to this idea that the quality matters. And the experience it has, you know, studies show experiences are more valuable than things. Right. Right. Uh, hedonic adaptation. We quickly adapt to the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember the root of hedonic is hedonistic, right? So hedonic adaptation will adapt to the things, but the experiences last longer and we tend to romanticize them. Right. Right. When you're lonely, the ex wasn't so crazy. Right. Right. They were next for a reason. Crazy? I but, know. but we romanticize the memories. And so they get better with time. And there's some value to be had in that. So just maintain the perspective, realize what you are trading. Right. Okay. Uh, and if you find yourself going down the pathway of trying to figure out uh, what trades should I be making, I would suggest a plan is not crazy. Right. Okay. And so if that is something that may be in your future, you may consider seeking a qualified professional. Do we know any, Katie? Uh, just a few in our office, 541-375-0898, or you can reach us at info at littlejohnfs.com. So there you go, gang. And if I'm not mistaken, cue the music. So uh, final thoughts today. Uh, if you're going to make a trade, quality over quantity is typically the right way to go. Uh, also remember that the trade is not just about what you think your time is worth. It is what the thing is that you're trading for. And beyond that, if you don't know where to get help, uh, you can start with us. The number again? 541-375-0898. All right. We're out of time for now. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. You've been listening to The True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. The program was paid for by Littlejohn Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.